fake podcast music. Hello. Oh, wow. A little abrupt. Hello. Welcome to Michigan Another Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other random mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. All right, Jen, what you doing? I'm going to talk about two adults found deceased with a baby in critical condition in a motel room wow. in Muskegon County. Ooh. I have um, a subject that was suggested by one of the listeners, Veronica, who gave me, she called him, she gave me his full name, which, bless her heart, Elias Abulazam. He's also known as the Flint Stabber. And then I have another, uh, since I already did a bar review last time, I'm like, let me just keep the train going. I have another funny bar review. Really? <laughs> yes. Okay. So do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? It's up to you. I don't have a preference. So in spring of 2010, someone had become a, uh, had begun a series of attack on men of color in Michigan. And there were 14 knife assaults in Genesee County, resulting in five deaths. The unknown perpetrator was given several names. The Genesee County Serial Slasher, the Genesee County Serial Stabber, the Serial Stabber, and the Flint Stabber. So wow. a lot of stabbing. The, steel, the Serial Stabbing came to the authorities' attention in early May of 2010, the perpetrator was known to drive around the county at night in a green-slash-gold SUV looking for men to approach. According to surviving victims, he, his preferred scenario was to find a man walking alone, ask him for either directions or assistance fixing his car, and then stab him when he got close. So, so he must see him ahead of time. Pulls over, Pulls maybe. over, gets ready. Mm-hmm. The wounded or murdered men all had small frames. They were short, thin, and non-muscular. All but two of them were black, one was Hispanic, and another one was white, and nobody was robbed. So he, he was just doing this for the killing part. Hmm. Four of the 18 knife attacks had taken place in Genesee County. The second to last attack was on Frank Kelly, Kelly Brew, who did die from his knife wounds. The attacks stopped in Michigan in, in the early morning hours of August 2nd, 2010, with the death of Arnold Minor. Arnold was a handyman who had been stabbed in downtown Flint. There were three more attacks in Leesburg, Virginia, between August 3rd and August 6th, 2010. Two of the knife attacks had the same modus operandi as the Flint Stabber. One of the attacks followed the pattern of a man in a green gold SUV asking for help, but the victim had been attacked with a hammer. The assailant um, had struck the, the victim in the head in an effort to kill him with a hammer. All three of the men outside of Michigan survived in Ohio and Virginia. On August 6th, a task force was created in Genesee County that included the FBI. On August 7th, a male janitor, Tony, yeah, okay, sorry, Tony Leno. So what, why am I having so many problems with my computer? Be gone, demon, from my computer. <laughs> sorry. So on August 7th, a male church janitor, Tony Leno, was stabbed in Ohio after waking up or walking up to an SUV to assist someone inside. So it follows the pattern. The case was cracked when an anonymous tip was called in to the Michigan State Police tip line. It led to the Kingswater Party Store. Do you remember the Kingswater Party Store? No, we're not. Okay, remember when I did the one on revenge killings? And there was a kid, um, there were two boys that were in a car with two girls. Yep. And they said to the girls, stop out, let us hear, drive on. And the girls turned around and they saw him sh shoot into a car. They were at Kingswater Party Store. Oh, wow. Kingswater Party Store prominently features murders in Michigan, in mm. Flint specifically. 
So Kingswater Party Store is where Elias Abulazam had worked for the last month. So that's where the kid D. Jones Dickerson, because I could never say his name because it had 17 letters. Mm-hmm. That's for the one where he was shot and killed. Wow. Uh, yeah, the Flint Stabber works at that party store. So now Flint's going to be your thing like Taylor is mine. I don't know. My daughter lives just north of Flint and it terrifies me. <laughs> you could have Taylor. I'll look for another one. <laughs> so, yeah, what I wrote on there, it's the same one about the revenge killings. Victims who survived the attack had provided police with a sketch of his face and told them of the green gold SUV. And um, the tip came from a woman who said her father also worked at Kingswater. And that they believed Elias was the man they were looking for. The police were able to use surveillance video from the store to help identify Elias. So, you know, the surveillance, that's, so you get robbed, well, it also shows your face, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. The surviving victims mentioned that he was a muscular man. Elias fit the physical description as he was 6'5 and 250 pounds. Elias owned an SUV which was painted green and gold that had also been described by the surviving victims. On August 7th, 2nd, 2010, the date the stabbing stopped in Michigan and began in Virginia, Elias had left Michigan to visit relatives in Virginia. On August 7, 2010, the date of the stabbing in Ohio, it was believed that Elias was on his way back home to Michigan from Virginia passing through Ohio. So he couldn't even hold it for a little bit. You couldn't even road trip and not kill somebody. Yeah. Yeah, or try to kill somebody. So Elias Abulazam was born August 28, 1976 in central Israel. He came from a prosperous christian arab family he moved to the united states as an adult and had a green card but was not a citizen and i asked my dad because my dad is an immigrant and he actually spent like 30 years with a green card not as a citizen i was like what is the difference between having a green card and being a citizen he says once you have a you're a citizen you can vote and you can go um, be placed on a jury Hmm. so i was like is that it Uh, maybe he just simplified it for me (laughs) so um elias married jessica nimitz in the summer of 20, 2004, they met in Texas where he was visiting cousins. They divorced in 2007 with Jessica's father claiming that Elias verbally abused his daughter. Elias spent some time working in Virginia at a mental health facility, weirdly enough, mm-hmm. as a mental health technician oh. until 2008. Mm-hmm. Like, you could have worked on yourself, Elias. Elias then moved to Michigan in the summer of 2010. He lived in Grand Lake, Michigan in a house his uncle owned near Flint while working at the party store. Convinced they had the correct perpetrator, the police began to search for Elias. On August 11th, police, with the help of U.S. Customs, were able to find flight records showing that on that day, August 11th, Elias had taken a plane from Detroit, Michigan to Louisville, Kentucky, and then to Atlanta, Georgia. He was arrested in the Hartsfield-Jackson Airport in Atlanta without incident. He had been prepping for a flight to Tel Aviv, Israel. Oh, wow. Yes, August 13, 2010, he was extradited to Michigan, so the very next day. Mm-hmm. It was later found that Elias had been arrested in Arlington, Virginia on August 5th. He had been taken into custody during a traffic stop because he had a bench warrant for his arrest. During the stop, an officer found a knife and a hammer in the door of Elias's SUV. But they don't know that he has any connection to yeah. Michigan. Wow. Yeah. The warrant was for simple assault, and Elias was released on personal bond. His car was turned to him later that day. And it's after that he goes after the janitor at the church. Hmm. Tony Leno. Yeah. Besides the attacks in the United States, Elias was accused of stabbing a friend in the face with a screwdriver while visiting his family in Israel in late 2009, early 2010. Jesus. Yes. It was not pursued as a legal matter as the victim did not press charges. Hmm. I was like, I don't know. You would have to do some talking to get me not press charges. 
So, when searching his car and belongings, police found a shoelace of Elias's that had blood on it from his second to the last murder victim, Frank Kelly Brew. Blood from his last murder victim, Arnold Miner, was found on a pair of pants that was found in Elias's luggage, as well as um, on the steering wheel of the SUV. While at trial for Arnold Miner's murder, the prosecution called 50 witnesses, including victims of the knife attacks, forensic experts, and Elias's uncle, who assisted the police in his capture. So Elias's uncle was all in and trying to capture him. Wow. Um, Elias's attorney called one witness. A, psychi- a psychiatrist who claimed that Elias was suffering from paranoid schizophrenia. The psychiatrist claimed that evil spirits told Elias to kill the men. He also noticed, noted that Elias tried to commit suicide in 2007 and was diagnosed in 2009 in Israel with being psychotic. In rebuttal, the prosecution attacks the psychiatrist's credibility, noting that his area of expertise is in addiction treatment. They're like, this is not even your thing. Yeah. Yeah. The prosecution also had a psychiatrist testify that claimed Elias did have a personality disorder. Like, we could have guessed that. You don't go around stabbing people and be totally fine. But he was also organized in his attacks and too organized to be legally insane. So uh, they consider his attacks premeditated. You stop, you're Mm -hmm. waiting for them, you ask them for help, premeditated. You've got the knife in the car. You don't just have a knife, you know? Yeah. Elias was convicted of the murder of Arnold Miner after one hour of deliberation. Elias's sentence was life in prison without the possibility of parole, which you know in Michigan we don't kill people. You just have to go to jail forever. Mm-hmm. As a state, Michigan does not allow for parole for people convicted of first-degree murder. So if you're convicted of first-degree murder in Michigan, you never get out and you're, you're never paroled. That's it. Due to his inability to be released from jail, Elias will not be charged for all the other murders they believe he committed. So they're not going to even try the rest. I guess it's really expensive. Yeah, why? They're like, why? He's in there forever anyway. Other cases in I Genesee guess the County. Family might want. I, that, I, that's what I always think. I always feel like, wouldn't you want a little bit? But maybe. I think if if he would have killed my family member. Yeah. But he only got tried for that one. I'd yeah. be fine. He's, I mean, what what's that doing for me? I got to relive it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, the cases, the other case, oh, the other cases in Genesee County aren't being tried. Neither Ohio nor Virginia either. They're like, we're assuming you got them, you yeah. know. And then after that, I have, um, I just have the chronological order in which he stabbed and tried to hammer people, which I'm not gonna provide to you. <laughs> oh, I got all Ver- excited verbally, but you could totally read it in the show notes if you want. But I don't think that you need to. Yeah. Well, before you do your... Oh, of course. I'm waiting for you. I'll do mine. This is the last one. And then you will end on a good note. Palate cleanser. Mental palate cleanser. Ready. Let's do this dance. So on May 24th of this year, Jessica Bramer, age 26, from Grand Rapids, and Christian Reed, age 28, from Marnie, M-A-R-N-E. Never heard of it before. Me neither. And a six-month-old baby, Skyla were found in a Muskegon County Roadway Inn motel room in Whitehall, Michigan. It was said that Jessica and Christian had been deceased for about seven days. The child was living but in critical condition. News articles stated it would take about a month to get the results back to determine Jessica and Christian's cause of death. I couldn't find any recent news articles on the story. There was articles talking about how both individuals had addiction problems, which would lead us 
to, of course, believe that it was drugs or alcohol related. Yeah, like they OD'd and that's how the baby got trapped with them? Yeah. But this motel service must not have anybody clean to take a towel in that whole week. I know, right? Well, I'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> so we'll have to follow up, but I'm, you know, we can assume. Yeah. Now, when I was looking up this story, I came across in this same motel was a news story in January mm. when a man shot another man, stuffed him in a trunk of the car, set it on fire, and then killed himself in that motel. Wait, that motel? Yeah, that same uh, motel. Jeez. The police traced the car to a woman who reported that her boyfriend, Antonio Wiggers, age 33, had had the car but had been missing for a few days. The police went to Antonio's house and determined that there was a shooting that took place in the home. A day later, Antonio's body was found at the Muskegon County Roadway Inn Motel, and it was determined he took his own life. The man in the trunk was identified as Raymond Coleman Jr., age 27, of Muskegon. A witness did come forward and say they witnessed Antonio shoot Raymond. Wow. I looked up, so then I had to look up the roadway in. We should have done reviews like for the reviews. roadway in. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I still need to look at them some more. Okay. But I first thought there's a lot of them. There's a lot of reviews. Oh, okay. And it had a 3.8 rating. And I'm like, wow. Let me, like, Multiple see. Multiple dead bodies and you still have a 3.8? Yeah. Let me see this hotel. Yeah. And just the outside doesn't look like it could be a 3.8, but you know, I don't want to judge. Okay. And so I go. It looks like it's being held together with like cockroaches and yeah. termites. And there's actually a <laughs> lot of good reviews about this place, but yeah. then I just pushed on the 10%, uh. which were ones, and it was dirty, sheets not changed, you know, just uh. a scuzzy place. Yeah. So, but I couldn't believe that I was looking up that one and then stumbled upon. Uh, you know, somebody murdering oh, themselves. So. That is crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, how but you... the kid, just yeah. so you know. Oh, yeah, sorry. I, the kid did live. Wait a minute. Oh, yeah, the little yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Okay. Yeah. That poor baby. That must have been horrible. Yeah. Your parents are dead. She probably drank toilet water to survive. No, six months old. Can they move at six months? I can't remember. My daughter's a t- it's about to start. I mean, maybe they're crawling. University. I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember. My kid's seventeen. I know too, our kids are so. our kids are only three days apart. Yeah, how in the heck? Uh, oh, that poor I just baby. I just remember enough to know I don't want to redo it. Yeah, for I real. Love, I love my son, but yeah. Well, not to mention once they get to be teenagers, you're like, we're almost clear. Let's not do this again. Yeah, really. <laughs> All right, go for it. All right, I have the three fifty Detroit bar. I have a single Yelp review from Chris O. One star. One star. Starts out. Um. Yeah, no thanks. (laughs) (laughs) If you want superficial, egotistical, with a hint of vomit throughout the club, this is the place for you. First off, if you get in the door, VIP or not, it's a career mistake just to walk in. (laughs) Also, wear your sneakers after the eight floors of stairs to the roof. You don't want to get stuck in the rickety elevator made in 1910. (laughs) Either booth or bar, you're screwed with slow service and mediocre attention from people who could care a rat's ass if you spent a month's rent on service. Wouldn't matter if you're royal or pond scum. Actually, pond scum smells better than this skank-infested excuse for Vegas. Good luck! Now, one of the things I'd seen reading all the different reviews, because I can't help myself, I'll just keep reading them. 
So you know how you can reserve booths at mm-hmm. a club? Yeah. Their booth was like basically like four plastic chairs and like a fold-out table. Oh. They're so like, don't get fooled by the pictures. Like these people were so upset, but they're oh. like, they're they're like we were at a like a you know like a folding table with four plastic chairs and they called it the booth. That's great. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. You've been listening to Michigan and Other Mayhem with Allie. And Jen. Connect with us at michiganandothermayhem.com to join the conversation, listen to the podcast, access show notes, find site links, site links, or correct us when necessary. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Anchor, and YouTube. Bye-bye now.